We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game betting odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Aaron Rodgers looking for Devontae Adams. He's got it! DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor, touchdown! Hello everyone, welcome back to Road of His Overtime and Road of His Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and I'm joined by Sean Siegel, co-host of the Road of His Overtime podcast, along with the Stealing Bananas podcast and co-owner over at rotoviz.com. Sean, we've done a couple of these shows, they've been a lot of fun. We ended up having a lot more questions. We could have released a seven-hour single podcast to get through all these questions. Once we started, we, we didn't realize how many questions we had been submitted by the listeners so it's been fun talking through those so another show today who knows we may have to do another one after this as the questions continue to come in if you do have any questions you want to hear myself or sean discuss that we haven't touched on or maybe something we touched on but you want to hear something more about us that you're interested in send them my way on twitter at overtime ireland or send them to overtime ireland at gmail.com or road of at gmail.com we'll get them either way but Sean, another show here, and we're going to have some fun topics. I did tease it. Um, funnily enough, I mentioned about the tennis. I have done my searching. I cannot find the question, but we're just going to ask a little bit more about your, your tennis career. You mentioned about the games at that time in your life being feeling like the most important things in the world. I mentioned kind of some of my sporting things. I didn't mention playing soccer as a, as a kid into a young adult, but played at a quite a high level uh, in the UK in terms of playing with professional clubs so that was part of my strengths going into being a tight end then I played as a goalkeeper in soccer so uh, pretty good hands then for when it came to the tight end side of things and I know exactly what you mean about those games meaning the absolute world to you at the time when you look back then you think well it was only a game but I think if we went back in time we would still have the same thought process that I'll, I openly admit this to everybody. I'm a, a very bad loser. I don't want to lose at anything, no matter what it is. So, um, 
with tennis, what's some of the, the backstory there, maybe for the listeners to, to fill them in on? The racket sports are a lot of fun, right? And my, so my other two favorite sports would be tennis. And then uh, from a, a viewing perspective, college basketball, it's always kind of interesting, like, you know, what sports you like at the professional level, what sports you like at the college level. I know that Mike Randall, who does such a fantastic job with the mailbag is a big college basketball guy. So I'm looking forward to uh, getting a chance at some point in the future to talk some college basketball with him growing up in Kansas city and having had my parents attend KU KU has always been the big college basketball program that I've rooted for. They're ranked number three in the country right now, preseason. I'm excited to see what they can do uh, with some of the guys they have back, some of the transfers they have in uh, folks in the North Carolina or the Carolina area, obviously Duke and North Carolina, some of the big teams there. Uh, Gonzaga has now emerged as the college basketball powerhouse. So I know that if you are not a Kansas fan, then you tend to hate Kansas. It's the same thing, you know, with Duke and, and those types of situations where you know you're either in or you're out. You're not like on the fence about KU basketball. But when I was a fifth grader, when I was a sixth grader, I thought that. I was going to be an NBA player because of course, you know, if you can do okay in the neighborhood and, and make some shots, you think that you are all right. But then you quickly learn that I'm not a good athlete. And so <laughs> you're not going to play in the NBA, but it, I, one of my friends, I would play a lot of ping pong with, I'd play a lot of ping pong with my brother. Ping pong may be the best game. And so, you know, I always assumed that because I could play ping pong with him, that obviously I could probably play tennis with my friend as well, who turns out was one of the top junior tennis players in the country. And no, it's not the same. You, you can't play tennis with them, right? So started really playing in high school, which is way after the vast majority of people who end up playing in college start because uh, tennis is a, a fairly long learning curve type of game. It's a very, very high skill level game. It's a good game for me because sort of body control and eye-hand coordination are probably the areas where I excel as an athlete, at least, you know, comparatively speaking, you always love to be better. And so spending a lot of time with that, uh, and it's, it's great to not know things going in, right? I mean, I think that not knowing what the future would hold or what, you know, how fantasy football would develop is, is one of the reasons why. I got into that, not knowing how good people were. If I had known how good college tennis players were, I would never have tried out for my college team and then spent you know four or five hours a day playing tennis throughout those years and over time becoming good enough to actually kind of consider myself in that group. It's great to try things and not know. Sometimes knowledge will keep you from trying. And so I just got myself very, very lucky. Now, tennis also, and people I think are always going to feel this way about their thing, but I, I have talked to other people about this, and I think tennis pre presents some unusual challenges in that it's a very high skill sport. It's easy to make mistakes. There is a huge element of decision making that comes into play. So you have the chess element. And then because there are so many mistakes and they come up constantly and you have to deal with them after every point, then being able to manage your emotions becomes huge. So, you know, people ask, you know, what do you need to be good at tennis? And I usually just tell them you need a good mind and you need to be a good competitor because I mean, there are huge skill and athletic things that come in, but you can get to a pretty decent level. Now, 
I mean, you're not going to be able to beat the international professionals who are in college tennis. You're not going to be able to beat, you know, the top 25 Americans in the country unless you are a professional level athlete. But you can get pretty high if you can make the shots and if you can compete. And that was always sort of a journey for me. I have all of these crazy anecdotes about things happening in my matches that nobody could believe because of my wanting to win so badly and the trickiness of dealing with. So one of the things I had a hard time with was when my opponent would play slow, right? So I have all these crazy stories about how, you know, one time I'm out there just laying down on the court and, you know, my teammates are like, well, you know, Sean is just a goofball, you know, what is he doing? It's like, and they call out, you know, you know, are you guys in between games? And, you know, I'm sure they felt like, you know, this is a, a break that is going on here because, you know, we've just kind of waited. So you would think that we were in between games, right? Or at the very least that we were in between points, but we were just in between this guy's first and second serve, but it had gotten to be, he was playing so slowly. I couldn't handle it. Right. So I was just, I was taking a little time out while I waited for him to get ready for the next thing. It's like, you know, we're out here to have fun and play. Let's do it. Right. I mean, this is a sporting event. Let, let's go. So there, there are several crazy stories with that kind of thing. Obviously there are some broken rackets. Uh, there are lots of balls hit off the back fence. I mean, you're, you're trying to hit the ball hard and, and hit winners and you know, it's for fun, right? My, my college coach, he was just mind boggled. He's like, I, I mean, out of all my players put together, I don't know that anybody's hit the ball off the back fence as many times as you. It's like, that's not the goal in between the lines, right? Not off the back fence. So, you know, by the time I was a junior and senior, got some of those things figured out. I was very lucky to have a coach who was sort of the direct opposite of my college or my high school basketball coach who was abusive, college tennis coach really allowed for some growth, allowed for some of these mistakes uh, in with a great group of friends, people who, you know, were good at tennis, but also I, I feel like, you know, very good at life. It wasn't the kind of sort of, inappropriate and, and borderline abusive type of sports environment that you see in so many situations where, you know, young men are maybe acting inappropriately. And so I, I have great memories about that and an extreme level of gratefulness. And then so it was, it was interesting in terms of then, you know, doing a year of, of graduate assisting and then going on to actually coaching one of the other teams in our conference and kind of this growth and this journey and, the situation of, you know, how can I help people learn from the mistakes that I made and the losses that I incurred that maybe weren't necessary and, and do that faster. So it doesn't take them years to, to get through it and to learn it, but they can maybe accelerate that process and, and win now. And so having gone through the experience so recently, I mean, coaching directly out of college, um, it was a great experience. And Sometimes I was successful helping players make that transition. Sometimes you fail. You know, you, you look at coaches as a player and you know all of these things that you would do differently and you know all of their weaknesses and you're thinking, you know, if the coach would just do a good job, then we could be successful or I'd have more fun or both of those things. And then you're in that position yourself and you get a real dose of reality in terms of what it's like to work with different personalities, to work with people who don't want to work back with you. Uh, people who actively undermine you. One of the interesting things we've mentioned Ted Lasso a number of times, but just the variety of ways that you have to interact with people and, and treat people as people, as opposed to minions or automatons or uh, just objects that you're trying to manipulate for your own benefit. And 
so that was obviously a, a very growing experience for me as well to do that five years sort of coaching people who and both men and women you know who are just a handful of years behind me and that has both strengths and weaknesses in terms of how they relate to you you know you're close enough in age that you you have a lot of things in common and at the same time you know there'll be situations especially when they disagree with you and people are going to disagree with you and when they do then the dynamic is to have a little bit of an adversarial type of process and and if they're frustrated with you they're going to be looking for things that they think are wrong with you or that you do poorly and one of those things in that situation will just be then this question of you know do you have enough experience do you have enough wisdom to be in this position to tell me what to do and and, th and those are real reasonable questions right and so you kind of evolve through that relationship and there were some good things there were some bad things um, but the way that the, the fifth year ended was very exciting and, and one of the most cherished memories that I have. And, and one of the great regrets that I have is that after that season, just at that time in my life, it was time to go in a different direction. But I really miss not being able to follow through or follow out some of the things that were set up in that year. So yeah, tennis is, has played a, a big role in my life and definitely something that I enjoy and, and I really appreciate the superstars at the professional level right now, because with Federer and with Nadal, and even with Djokovic, who is a much more controversial figure, you have, for the most part, a great deal of sportsmanship, a great deal of competitiveness, an incredible amount of composure. You know, even the things when Djokovic occasionally does inappropriate things, his overall level of composure is still incredibly high. And the way that those three guys manage the psychological battle that they've been in, you know, over the course of more than a decade now, it's, it's really one of the most extraordinary stories in sport. And I think, you know, looking back on it a century from now, people just won't believe that it happened because it really is just such an unusual and amazing sports story. Yeah. You mentioned something there as well about they were, you know, people on your team were good at tennis or good at sport, but they were also good at life. And I think, a big thing that maybe even at the time when you're involved in sports that you don't realize at a young age is it's when you're finished you start to realize like the importance of the things you learn like you know teamwork and responsibilities and things like that and i think that's something that people don't realize it but it's much more important to be good at life than good at sport in terms of being a, a good person overall you mentioned though some of the guys there like you know djokovic federer for example and you know it's basically the equivalent of like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, if they were like playing against each other every week for a championship, you know, whereas sometimes you get a week off where you have to play a team that's not as good. You don't really get that with the, the tennis superstars. And something that was interesting, I watched just this past week was, I don't know if you've seen Sean on Netflix, the untold series, uh, the breaking point episode was around Marty fish and his kind of off court struggles with, um, kind of anxiety and things like that. But it was really interesting, his story from a teenager up to kind of the top level into the top 10 in the world. And he was in like, at the time when he got there, he was like the three greatest players of all time started playing. So like he started playing against Federer, uh, Nadal and Djokovic. And it was like within like two years, these three guys had turned up. So he like on a different timeline, you know, he has won a lot more tournaments. And, you know, I don't know if that led to some of the things with him but um 
actually a really uh, interesting episode if anyone hasn't checked that out it's untold um the marty fish episode but sean uh, another question coming up here is uh, a little bit more about myself and how i got into american sports but we'll deal with that right after the break we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So, Colin, now that we know that you were the Rob Gronkowski of Irish football, it, it maybe doesn't surprise us that you are now emerging as this uh, voice from Ireland podcaster to the masses in uh, American football. But it, what was the backstory there? How did you get into, I mean, is, is football, a, it sounded like it's a pretty big part of kind of the sporting world or the sporting lifestyle of the community that, that you are in in terms of playing and then watching is there a big following for american football there in ireland and, and how did you get into not just being sort of a player but a, a big fan of football and fantasy football and then specifically of the green bay packers what was the origin story there um, well, I'll just I know if in case there's people in Ireland listening, I, I always like to get the, the facts right. So in terms of you mentioned the community that I would hang around with, American football would be kind of big in that. But in terms of like if we're looking at like grassroots sports in Ireland, I would say the majority of people don't know there is American football teams in Ireland, even people who live in Ireland. Um, so it would be very well down the pecking order. But it is a competitive league with and I don't want to 
say how many teams because I could be wrong, but I think there's in the region of 30 teams throughout Ireland, which is quite a lot of teams. Like so, um, but it, it would be way, way down the, the pecking order. But the people like anything probably from a different country that you're interested in, the people who are interested, there's probably people in the US interested in the Premier League at the same sort of level. You get people like myself who are kind of fanatics or extreme fans, and then you get people who know casually watch it and things like that so you get everything in between um and, and that's probably what i would say it's like the reverse of that in terms of the support here the people who are into it are, are really into it and fantasy football obviously has like even in the u.s has done a, a great job of spreading that here and the games obviously in the uk have been a, a big big part of the growth of the game over here as well um so my story if i if i think back like the origin point is very hard to find it's kind of one of those things that it kind of blends and it just seemed like it all happened very naturally but in terms of american football i mentioned the uk games and um, the sports coverage over here used to have you know limited coverage but there'd be games every single sunday and it was just something that i kind of got into over time you know doing my school homework on a sunday evening that you know it would be on the sports channel so the the way like the soccer here on a Sunday usually would be on at one o'clock and four o'clock during the day. And then that would lead into kind of a, a dead space in the evening time. So I used to uh, kind of watch it in the background and it used to just kind of get a little bit, you know, sometimes you would start to get a little bit more interested. You know, when the big plays happen, it's hard not to get excited. Like at the start, I didn't know what was happening in terms of like, I knew there was points being scored, but didn't know how they were really being scored. But over time, I just got more and more into it. And, uh, really it just kind of grew and grew and grew the one thing i will also admit about myself is when i get into something or like something i tend to become like i don't know if addicted is the right word but i like start to get more and more like i kind of dive into it and um, like similar similar with podcasting or kind of sports before that and uh with the nfl i started to really enjoy watching it so i kind of wanted to know where the teams were from what the players were like you know kind of try and find out as much as I could and I was kind of lucky that when I really started to get into American football and I don't know if it's I got more into it because of this or I started to get into it and then it happened just by coincidence to get more and more coverage but the coverage in the UK obviously started to grow and then the game started to happen in the UK because the coverage started to grow and then everything kind of came on from there so it kind of just springboarded the other thing that became bigger and bigger when they started was podcasts so being in Ireland, it was very hard to get coverage of the games outside of the game time. So NFL Network wasn't available, didn't have the sports radio shows that you would have. But when podcasts became available, it meant that like no matter what time of day it was, I could download a show and listen to it. And one of the big ones that I really started to listen to as kind of hardcore that got me into then eventually becoming a podcaster was the Ross Tucker podcast when he started his, don't know when he started, but that was when it became like on-demand content. And then obviously the internet grew, the opportunity to get information grew. And that's when it all kind of snowballed from there. Uh, when it comes to the Packers, again, watching games, um, like you're always going to be drawn to somebody, you know, and it's easy obviously to get drawn to somebody like Brett Favre or then Aaron Rodgers. So, uh, you know, probably because they were superstar quarterbacks definitely drew me in. Um, the other part would be, I mentioned Donegal um, on the last show. That's where I'm from. Their colors are green and gold, which would be like the, the county colors. 
so then the Packers were obviously green and gold and that kind of drew me in the other thing that drew me in at the time and now uh, Stan Kroenke owns Arsenal Football Club but at the time Arsenal was a fan-owned club and that's very now it's not as common now for soccer teams there's a lot of kind of billionaires have bought clubs similar to the U.S. franchise model kind of thing but um before that the Packers and the Packers obviously still are they're the only kind of fan kind of owned or you can have an option to own part of the club so that was two things that drew me to the Packers so other than they were like a pretty good team those two things kind of tied in with me as well my brother he ended up uh becoming a New England Patriots fan so I think he probably got the the better end of the bargain Uh, he's got a lot more uh, Super Bowls than I've got to see but um yeah that was uh that was kind of where it all came from so it all kind of blends Sean into to one from there but they're kind of the kind of some of the main parts that I can kind of remember and pinpoint well we won't tell Dave Cabin who is a Patriots fan but I think that you got the better end of the stick I mean it's still better to be a Packers fan than a Patriots fan even even with the Super Bowls there that's pretty cool I hadn't thought about the fact that it being fan owned would be potentially part of of how that grew up and that the similar the similarities to the ownership model at the time for some of your uh, football clubs or soccer clubs there in the UK so yeah that's that's awesome we have some fun discussions from time to time and and you know words and and foods and and uh, you know one of the questions that i wrote for you was was food related but and sometimes you, know, you read some of the articles about people coming to the U.S. You have the, I mean, there's some funny stuff in the movie in Bruges, kind of making fun of Americans. It, it can be difficult to have any sense of, of some of the slight cultural differences if you haven't been both places. And so it can be hard to think of, you know, what maybe would be weird about being an American that people in Ireland might not know. So this might not be a fair question, but are there some things that jump out to you or something that jumps out to you? about life in Ireland that you think Americans would find surprising? What I think, um, and I don't think all Americans would think this, but I I think people probably think that Ireland is not as advanced as it is in terms of like technology and um, things like that. But you did tell me it took six months to get like your internet connection when you moved. Well, that is very true. That is very backwards um, in terms of how that operated. But yeah, so I'll, maybe you have me there, Sean. But in terms of like, um, there is no leprechauns here is another thing um, that I would add on. But uh, in terms of like Ireland as a skilled workforce has a lot of like the big tech companies are based in Ireland. And that's mainly because of very low tax rates. But we won't get <laughs> we won't get into that. But uh, that can cause trouble then at government level. But um, I think that like, Ireland and America are a lot more similar than I think people would think in terms of the stuff that we do and that and things like that. The one thing I would say if you came on a trip to Ireland that might be very difficult would be the fact that we talk very fast and it might be very difficult to understand what we're saying. So while for the listeners it probably is very difficult to understand what I'm saying most of the time, uh, if I was talking with my friends, I would be talking at a lot faster speed. So that could be... You know the the conversation um could be tricky to pick up but and you'd be layering in the irish brogue right i mean you'd that be, would be like i would be really really it probably would sound like a different person some people who listen to the podcast don't believe that it's me um that's how different my voice might be <laughs> but um in terms of outside of that i would say if you come to ireland i would recommend like a lot of people go to dublin obviously because it's the capital city it's where the biggest airport is i would recommend to 
branch out from there you know it's a bit like no it's probably the same as if somebody said like oh, i'm going to new york and people might say i'll go to this area like the tourists go to one area and then the other areas are more probably authentic um so i would say to kind of split out from the, the city would be my recommendation for if anyone was if anyone was coming over but i i think people maybe it's just my perception i think some people think that maybe ireland is like still in the 2000s like the early 2000s in terms of technology well, you, you mentioned, you know, where we should go. And that was one of the other questions I had for you. I mentioned in the earlier episode when we were uh, doing this little series here that my mom's family originally comes from Ireland. She wants to visit at some point. Uh, I had the chance to do a trip to England uh, back at the time that I was coaching tennis through, you know, back through the college that we graduated from. Did just sort of an extra little side study there so I could go on the trip and, one of the things that, that we were trying to check out, you know, were, were the castles because that's, that's what you think of in terms of, of England and sort of the middle ages. I, I mean, obviously we know that London is very advanced, but it's like London and then the middle ages in England. Right. I mean, that's, that's gotta be what's going on there still. And uh, also lucky enough to have a chance to travel down the Rhine several years ago and, and see all of the castles up on the cliffs there you know, we've talked about the first law series and, and all of these uh, Middle Ages fantasy stories. And so if, if you get a chance to go over there, you're thinking, OK, well, I want to see the castles. Now, does Ireland have some great destination castles for us to go to? And if not, what should we be seeing? There is castles, and funnily enough, it's my wife's birthday in a couple of weeks, and we're actually going to stay in a castle. Um, I've never stayed in a castle, so I'm looking quite forward to that for for one night. It, it is her a gift for her, but I'm also <laughs> getting to stay, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I would my recommendation is, and again, it's a bit of that move out of the city and come out to the the coastal area. So where I'm from is relatively like you know within ten minutes of the coast. And I do think, though, if you go to some of the more mountainous coastal areas, there's like some incredible scenery and things to see. So obviously, from where I live, if I go to the coast, the next place is America. So if you think of Ireland and America, like it's quite a distance. But if you go to some of those cliffs where the sea is like crashing into those, so there's some of those in all the way, obviously, down the coastline, but some of the most... Uh, well-known ones would be in Donegal where I'm from or, or you know the Galway area or the Mayo area there's famous cliffs called the Cliffs of Moher I have never been but if you come to Ireland I would recommend that you go and visit them uh, and then for people who go to Northern Ireland there's things like the Giant's Causeway is a very famous kind of stone formation which people will go to see so I, I would recommend the coastal areas um, to see some of those kind of you know cliffs and things like that would be would be impressive i even when i've gone to other countries i've always enjoyed seeing kind of how that landscape is like um in australia or new zealand they were places where i was very impressed by you know some of the formations of how they basically how the island or how the land formation has been up i'm always quite interested in those sean you mentioned it a few times there i don't know if you're making a, a tease for the listeners of the future live in person road of his overtime it sounds like has been been planned yeah definitely definitely we can both be on the same time zone for one episode only um i think that'll be the the key i'll do a live listener league from ireland a live draft on the ffpc but uh i think um 
that would be a lot of fun if that if that opportunity ever arises i think it would be would be great um but i think that's going to probably do it for this one i'm going to sneak in one food question so we have some food questions we haven't got to them throughout these three episodes we are looking for your more more of your questions too we will probably get another one of these in because i know sean talks about the donuts we talked about tacos but we want to dive into some of the food stuff but we won't be able to fit it in just on today's show but one question and this was submitted by my wife i asked her had she any questions she would recommend to ask you know that might be interesting to hear her question i don't know if this is a good sign for me or a bad sign for me the question was what would your last meal on earth be if you could put in a request so i guess it's like a version of like kind of if you're in jail and you're at the end of the road that kind of last meal request she asked me it and i'm afraid to tell her what it will be in case it becomes a reality if she has something planned but uh would you be worried if that question was asked well it, in the context of this trip that you've got coming up to the to the castle on um, those two <laughs> things overlapping that that seems a little tricky right i mean the last trip i believe is uh, a new netflix movie that i believe is is a scandinavian show i know the main actor was in nobel which was a a scandinavian um sort of spy thriller, not exactly spy, but uh, a military thriller that was very good if people are looking for uh, some very under the radar show. But that one, they were going on a trip and it seemed like the husband and wife, uh, yeah, did have it out for each other there. And, and so I, I don't know if you checked out, you might want to watch that as some research just in case before you go on this trip. I'll have to be careful anyway. I'll just uh, if if the if you don't have any podcasts over the next couple of weeks, um, you'll know that it's either been food poisoning or something has happened uh, bad to me. <laughs> well, I don't. It, I mean, it wouldn't be food poisoning because I mean she, she'd let you have the last meal and enjoy that first. I mean, they, these would be separate events. I think. Hopefully, um, <laughs> is there any? <laughs> is there anything? At, at least let me have the meal. <laughs> if. Uh, is there anything that ever you know has struck you? Is there any favorite favorite meal? It's basically a question of favorite meal. I think is the the nice way to ask the question. Yeah, well, I mean, there are so many good foods, right? But uh, one of the things that I often get along with the ice cream cake to you know, finish off some of the celebratory times, and maybe it's a birthday, maybe it's a, a big life event or whatever. But you have that, and then the meal. There, it only makes sense to cram in as much cool stuff as possible, right? So you get the grill fired up and then there's almost nothing that matches grilled salmon. You have some butter on there. You got the garlic. Obviously that, that comes out just absolutely perfect. One of the best tastes of all time, but then also eat yourself some lamb chops because lamb is like hamburger, except fantastic. It's like with taste. I mean, hamburger is, it's great too. I mean, I, I have that all the time. It's not any way to denigrate hamburgers, but then if you add taste to it, then you have lamb chops. And so like both of those on there. Taste. Yeah. So, you know, you, you have your plate, you have the little vegetables, maybe some asparagus kind of pushed into the corner because there's not much room for it. You have your salmon, you have your lamb. You know, I, I've heard that you want to have as much protein as possible, Colin. Yeah. I have to say lamb, if you get nice lamb, and obviously lamb is a, very big thing here around springtime there's lots of uh sheep obviously in, in ireland and uh if you get lamb that is at the right time and is cooked well it's really really hard to beat so i would agree with you there not something that we if we're having a barbecue uh or you know getting the grill going i would say that it's usually like 
you know burgers and steak and things like that but lamb i think would be would be right up there if you get it i usually go back to my default there's lots of food i like my favorite food is usually what i'm having at that exact time to eat so it changes quite regularly but just psychologically my default always goes back to like you know if you get a a nice grilled steak i think it's very very hard to beat that and i i really do enjoy and they're really bad for you is like you know dauphinois or kind of garlic potatoes um i enjoy those but you mentioned asparagus that's something that's really growing on me over the last kind of 12 months so actually after we finish recording this i'm going to have some and maybe this is i i mentioned it a second ago about what i'm eating is my favorite um i'm having uh, <laughs> i'm having steak and asparagus after this so maybe that's why as well so i will think back on that questions because obviously um if that goes down as my last meal on earth it could be very very <laughs> short time away so we'll see we'll see what happens there but um yeah any any type of food that's like there at that moment in time is usually one of my favorites but the taste you get off a, a grill is pretty much impossible to beat compared to other ways to to cook food but uh, good stuff sean really enjoyed that one as well we again have superseded the amount of questions that will fit onto a podcast so what was meant to be one podcast is now at least three um going to be at least four but a lot of fun i'm hoping the listeners are enjoying the journey as we find out more about sean and me tell some stories that that might be quite uh unusual maybe for people listening in but uh hopefully you're all enjoying listening along if you do have any questions you want to send our way send them to me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland or email them across at overtimeireland at gmail.com. Of course, you can sign up to a Rotoviz NFL pass with uh, the code RVRADIO2021 for a 10% discount. Get signed up, get access to all of the content and tools up there. Get yourself, even if this season isn't going your way, get you ready for 2022. But uh, that code again is RVRADIO2021. Go to rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for more information. You can read all of Sean's great work up on rotoviz.com. And of course, my name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Until we are back with another podcast, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime and Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.